Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Final Four Press Podcast for 2020. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, my guest is Golf Week's travel editor and creative director, Jason Lusk. In the podcast you're about to hear, Jason and I talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the golf resort and travel industry, as well as some of the most exciting golf courses that did open in 2020. We also talk about what you should start thinking about if you were hoping to hit the road and book a golf getaway in 2021. So pull up one last glass of holiday cheer, relax, and enjoy. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So now making his return back to the Four Press Podcast, my good buddy Jason Lusk, uh, senior writer, editorial director. What is your title? I should know this. We work together. What, what is your title? I, I guess I'm the creative director and the travel editor, so I do a little bit of both. I, I put the magazines together when it's time to do that, and then I'm on the road quite a bit when it's not uh, publication time. And you're the one, so all of us have this. This is a very first world problem. When we go out to, when people could do cocktail parties, holiday parties, etc., we have the jobs that everybody loves. When we're on planes and the person in the seat next to you, hopefully these days there's nobody in the seat next to you, but if there were... Um, the, what you do for a living comes up and depending on how much work I need to do, I will sometimes get into the conversation. Yes. I work for golf week magazine. I write about golf equipment. I write about stats. I go to PGA tour events. You're the one who though has the real job that everybody should be envious of. Hey, we need somebody to go to big Cedar lodge and and go check out, you know, this new trip. We need somebody to go check out tiger woods. We need somebody to go up to Bandon and do this. What was the, you know, heavy of the shoulders, you know, and the yoke that you have to have on you to, to be able to, to go on this? It's a great gig and you're the one who's got it. So you're the one who I wanted to bring on to this because I want to talk about travel, certainly travel as it relates to coronavirus, pandemic, the effects on the travel industry. And more importantly, for people who are listening to this travel as it's going to relate to 2021 and hopefully all of us being able to get out safely, play some of the courses that maybe we wanted to play in 2020, but for obvious reasons, we couldn't. Um, How much of an effect did the pandemic overall, now that we're coming to the end of 2020, recording this just a few days before New Year's, what overall effect did the pandemic have on the golf travel industry? We know that rounds played this year went through the roof, but, but 
travel for a lot of different resorts, the places that are going to be on the Golf Week's best list, how did it affect them? Well, it, it's interesting because rounds did go through the roof. The uh, We're looking at a, a total of 13% increase year over year in 2020 over 2019 in total rounds played. Mm -hmm. But it had a serious effect on some of the bigger resorts, places like Bandon Dunes, uh, Kiowa, uh, Pinehurst, things like that closed down uh, for several months back in the middle of the year. And for several of those places, that was during the uh, prime earning time of the year for them, sure. uh, especially yeah. like out of Bandon and, and in some of the colder places. So that, that hurt their revenue quite a bit. But what the, the trend has really been is that people are driving now instead of flying. And in, in a normal year, people might you know plan a buddy's trip to where four guys come from different points of the compass all around the country, come together and, and meet in one spot and spend a week and play golf together. And they haven't been doing that quite as much. It's more of a, a regional trend to where people are driving to destinations. Um, Pinehurst had, had, is busy because it, it's reachable from so much of the mid-Atlantic. Sure. Uh, places like the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama, places like Big Cedar in Missouri uh, that already are drive-in destinations. You know, they're, they're set up to handle a lot of people driving in from nearby states. Those places have done okay. You know, their rounds have not dropped nearly as much as places that you have to fly to. Uh, it was an awful year for Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii yeah. was shut oh, down gosh, for so yeah. long that people were not flying to Hawaii. Basically, anything that required air travel uh, suffered during all this. So, so rounds were up during the year, but those were local rounds. Those were mm -hmm. new players. Those were people who are back new to the game or are used to play the game and are trying it again now is what they're seeing in all the numbers. And, and some of the jumps have been incredible. I, I mean, it was going up 15, 20, 30 percent month over month. And then in November, it spiked up to 57 percent increase in the U.S. in rounds played in November year over year. So it's crazy. But those are local rounds. So, so that's people playing their course and getting out uh, much more quickly. How much? have resorts on average been trying to cater and change their businesses to be more accommodating and be more alluring to regional places. And by that, I mean, for example, you know, Pinehurst, Bandon, et cetera. Pinehurst is close enough to within driving distance where if you're, for example, Washington, DC, Charlotte, um, obviously going all the way through to South Carolina and Florida, it's, it's a totally doable, very easy trip. Bandon Dunes is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're, you're looking where Eugene, Oregon is two to two and a half hours away. Portland, Oregon, further than that. Northern California. Um, I don't think of the Bandon area, aside from the, the greatness that is the resort, of being like a golf hotbed. There just aren't enough people to create that. So how what, what did they do to try and get that to be – were there discounts for locals? Were there different programs? What did people do? Uh, some places did, did do discounts for locals, but most of the places aren't going to diminish the value of their rounds played. Right. And so, so somewhere like Bandon, they, they don't share their rounds played numbers. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I don't know what their revenue totals are. It's private business, so, so they keep that to themselves. Uh -huh. But it, it's very interesting at Bandon. They, they had an ace up their sleeve this year after being closed for several months when the pandemic first began. And I was out there in March when everything shut down. Yep. And it had been closed shortly after I left, you know, a week after I left in the, the middle of March. But they had the Sheep Ranch coming online yep. uh, this year. So it was one of the most anticipated openings. So when they did open up again about six weeks later, uh, they had a lot of buzz going on because they had a new course being built and opened up. So so that invited a lot of people out there. Fol folks who are bandanistas want to go. Yep. And it's worth mentioning to anybody who's listening who, who hasn't been to Bandon, they now have five of the top 15 public access courses on the modern list on Golf Week's Best Modern List. So of all the courses built since 1960, they have five of the top 15 in one location. So that's a crazy number. So it's, so it's hard yeah. to say that Bandon is still not drawing people be, because they are. Yep. And it's just because it's Bandon and it's so remote. Uh, 
that once you get there, you can stay away from everybody. You, you can kind of self-isolate and play your golf at Bandit. So yeah. they haven't been hurt bad. But as far as the, the regional stuff and, and things places are doing it, it it's funny. I, I see all the offers come through on social media. I see, you know, yeah. emails, our releases, all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting because they're trying to get people to come and stay for one or two nights. And quite often they're almost giving away room nights for free yeah. uh, in order to, to keep the golf rounds playing. So I'm seeing offers like we, there's an offer floating on Facebook and, and through the PR releases from Hammock Beach Resort, which is here in Florida, about an hour south of Jacksonville. And so that's a drive-in destination. It hits everybody in Georgia. It goes all the way over to Mississippi. They, mm-hmm. they pull in from a wide range of people. It's got a, an ocean course with six holes on the, the ocean. And then they've got another conservatory course that Tom Watson built uh, inland. And they're doing deals to where it's uh, $699 for a foursome to, to play two rounds each and stay in a, in a villa. Yeah, that's so crazy. Those are, that's fantastic deals. Yep. So they're offering deals to keep things flowing that way. So they, they're, they're getting creative. And I don't know how long they're going to have to be creative after mm-hmm. the virus starts to calm down, after we see what happens with the vaccines, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully sooner rather than later, of course. But uh, at some point, they will shift back to their regular models. But right now, everyone's getting creative to put uh, you know, golfers on their courses. So at local courses and local clubs, people obviously have gone through and made a lot of accommodations to try and make golf safe. You've seen online bookings. You've seen online reservations p- paying for your rounds. Even if it's just over the phone, there are a lot of places here in Connecticut, for example, that didn't have online payment systems, but you would show up at the club and you would use your cell phone to pay, you know, looking at the person in the pro shop and just talking to them over the phone. And that worked perfectly well. Um, When you're talking to different golf resorts and places that are looking for either out of state or certainly out of region type people, what types of accommodations are being made at the golf courses themselves beyond, or, or is it the same thing that you would see at your local club where, Look, you're going to leave the flag in. There may not be rakes and bunkers. They're going to maybe have four carts for four players. Maybe that you know rather. What, what types of things have been going on throughout this season? Well, at, at the best courses, who, who are really tackling it well. Uh, I, I wrote a story earlier this year. I went down to Streamsong, which mm-hmm. is uh, south of Orlando and south of Lakeland in Florida. They they have three of the four best courses in the state of Florida for public access facilities. Um, you didn't have to touch a thing when you go to stream song. They, mm-hmm. they have the scorecards laying out by the first tee box. They're not even in a box to where you have to pick through them. Yep. Uh, they have tees scattered around the tee. You don't have to touch anything you don't want to. Uh, the, the doors are open. If you need to go inside, you, you can make it inside and out you know, very easily. But if you decide that you don't want to go inside, you don't have to. Everything is paid ahead of time. You pull up in your car. You walk to the range if you want to hit a few balls, and then you show up at the first tee. So it's very streamlined and it's very simple. And I, I hope this is a learning experience for a lot of the courses to make it so even after things get back to normal, because it's just so easy and so friendly yeah. to be at a public access facility to where you walk up to the first tee without any interruptions along your way. It's it's a private club experience uh, at public access. And the, the best public access places like Streamsong have done that seamlessly. And But then there are other places now uh, around Florida. I live in Orlando, so I see a lot of the Orlando courses, a lot of the winter tourist destination courses. Sure. And there are other places that are not doing nearly as good a job of it to where you're expected to go into the pro shop. You're expected to uh, linger, stand in line, wait to check in, wait to check out. Um, people are maybe wearing masks. Maybe they're not, uh, depending on their yeah. comfort level. So, so it's a different ball game at different places. So it's really up to the resort to streamline everything and and make it as simple and clean as possible 
to where you have as few touch points as possible. And and some are doing it really well, others are not. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I would think that the ones that are doing well are probably going to have a stronger presence. There's going to be more appeal. I mean, if people just feel inherently safer, if their experience is better, even within reason, if the price is a little bit more, I personally would feel more comfortable. It would make me want to go back to that place. And, and almost like a positive type of peer pressure, I would think, should have kicked in that, that facilities, um, for whatever reason, that weren't maintaining a certain level of um, amenity in, in, in a very different way than we normally would have thought about this. It has nothing to do with you know, beverages and nothing to do with um, you know, how clean the locker rooms are. It's just the, the overall experience that you're going to have putting my mind at ease. I wouldn't shy away from going into a pro shop. I would rather not. If, if I'm mm-hmm. right now in a situation where I can drive up, I'm happy to carry my own bag from the car. I don't need to have a bag drop. But if I can either digitally or in a relatively hands-free environment, go through the check-in process. If I need to see a starter, if that person can keep their distance and I can just grab you know, a scorecard or whatever or hop in a cart that may or may not have my name on it. I've had plenty of places where I went this summer and they were just like, Grab any cart you like. They've all been cleaned out. The clean ones are over to the right. The ones that are being returned are, are back in the shed, and you, you're not going to be anywhere near them. Just grab whatever one you want. You don't have to take car number 12 or cart number 60. Just just take one. It makes mm-hmm. things so much easier, and it's a great experience. And I would hope, to your point, maybe we learned that you don't have to have as many rigorous steps for people at public access facilities as maybe we thought. I'm not looking to take away the starter's job. I'm not looking to take away anybody's jobs. But when you think about what is the key ingredient for having a really nice day on the course, it's bring some of your friends, hopefully play someplace that's in good condition, you get some good weather. And after that, I'm pretty open to a lot of things. And and maybe we just need to sort of think more along that line, Jason, rather than doing things the way we always did them because we just always did it that way. Right. And and the golf industry trails some other industries like the hotel industry has been working for years to make it to where when you check in, you can check in remotely on your phone at nicer hotels, go directly to your room, possibly use your phone to get into your room, never have to get one of the plastic keys or heaven forbid a real door key. And so so they make it seamless to where you show up and you just go directly about your business. There's no standing in line. There's no waiting. There's nobody telling you what you need to do. And golf courses trail on that a little bit as far as public access courses. But the more they get towards that, I, I think the more friendly and, and more inviting the experience is. Because, you know, when you're going to play golf, you, you're planning your day to, to enjoy it outside, yeah. four hours on a golf, maybe an hour on the range ahead of time. And that's what you want to do. You don't want to spend 20 minutes standing in a pro shop in a line. So, uh, it, you know, it's been a great year for online bookings. Golf now has, has done tremendous business this year, and they've yeah. helped a lot of places to where it, it becomes much more seamless. And if they can integrate that into the model to where I never have to walk into the pro shop, I'm happy with that. And if I need something and want to go into the pro shop, that's great. But if mm-hmm. I don't want to or running you know, a little bit late or anything like that, the last thing I want to do is go stand in a line. So, so it's been very nice in a lot of ways. How much flying did you do in 2020? Uh, I did three trips before the pandemic. And uh, let's see, I was out at Bandon Dunes the week that everything shut down. Yep. Uh, the second week of March. So... Uh, we flew out there on very full airplanes and flew home on empty airplanes. Hmm. Um, then I didn't fly again until I guess it was September when I went to Missouri uh, for the opening of Tiger Woods's course at Big Cedar, which is called Payne's Valley. 
Uh, so I was there for the televised opening of that when, when they had Tiger and Justin, Justin Rose Thomas. and Justin Thomas yep. and Rory McIlroy played on TV. And then I flew out from there to uh, Washington, uh, play a couple of West Coast, or West Coast courses, and then I flew home. So that's been my only air travel since March. But uh, I've done about 18 road trips, though. So so I spent a lot of time on the, yeah, uh, the inner the car. Put, yeah. putting, putting miles on the truck and such. Um, when it comes to travel, are you traveling differently when you're going to places? Are you packing differently? Are you uh, is that experience? I would imagine that to me would be the same. I'm still hoping they don't lose my clubs. Um, is is my main concern. Um, I know that there are services that that can do a really nice job of picking up your stuff and shipping it off, so it's waiting at your location. I'm not totally sure what I think about that these days. I'd rather have my stuff with me as much as I can, um, so I know it's me. It's whatever baggage handlers, which is more people going through my stuff, but, but then theoretically that's it. Um, and it's not waiting around in different places. How did, did you change the way that you packed that you traveled any of that kind of stuff? I, I didn't really change the way that I packed, but the, the main impact is, um, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who's being very cautious and our work demands that we be very cautious. Yeah. So I don't want to be in restaurants. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to meet somebody in a bar, uh, after a round of golf. I, I just want to go back. So I'm spending a lot more time just hanging out around the hotel, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the hotel room. And so it, it's been a year full of takeout and, uh, things along those lines instead of eating in clubhouses. Um, which is interesting know. because that's a big part of resort business is the food and dining and the beverage in and around. I mean, if you go to some places, they've got great bars, they've, they've got, you know, grill rooms that, you know, are, you'd be envious. You dream of having that someplace local. I would imagine that they're losing a lot of money on things like that. Yes. That, that's the interesting thing in all this is we're, we're seeing round spike. So if rounds are up 15%, you would think revenue would be up 15% across the board for the mm-hmm. club. And they actually can lose money with rounds going up because they're not doing the, the food and beverage that they normally would. Um, the event uh, business the is probably also taking a big hit because you're not going to be booking huge weddings or they lost a lot of those during the prime mm-hmm. of wedding season. If the, if the pandemic was really hitting April, May, June, July, that's prime wedding season. They're going to lose a lot of that business too, right? Right. They, they've lost their events business, the wedding business. Uh, they, they've lost their conference business. Uh, they've lost their food and beverage by and large. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, the expenses go up because there are more rounds. So the maintenance budget uh, has to be higher to accommodate those more rounds and keep the course in shape. Uh, courses are spending more on golf carts, especially in places where they're doing single rider carts. Yeah. Uh, courses are having to pay to, to, you know, increase their fleet by 50% to handle the, the increase in rounds. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of costs that are tied to it. So we can look at it and say rounds are up across the board, but that doesn't necessarily mean that revenue is up because, you know, most of the revenue at golf courses are not tied directly to rounds of golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the profit side of it is really off the food and beverage and some of the, the auxiliary stuff. stuff. Yeah. And, uh, if you can get the golf to cover the golf, then everything else, all the money comes from, from some of that side business at quite a few places. So let's get to the fun stuff. This is all sort of, you know, the depressing, but the stuff that's really important for people to understand sort of like how the, the golf travel business works and some of the ways that they're trying to do the best, you know, during the pandemic. And we're, we're hoping that as 2021, on, you know, that it, things are going to get better. You know, that, that, that I think that we all can agree that the winter is just not going to be good. And as the vaccines are rolling out, that's a positive thing. But coming out of Thanksgiving, we saw a spike because a lot of people traveled. Um, I think it's totally realistic to think in about another two or three weeks, we're going to see another uptick as maybe there's numerically less testing going on right around Christmas time and in between Christmas and New Year's. People aren't getting tested who don't really feel like they need to, but 
you know, we know that we know how this works. Unfortunately, I'm much more confident that we will be able to travel um, as we get into like April, May, certainly then like July and August. I feel much better now than I did say two or three months ago before we knew about vaccines and and hopefully the rollout all that goes really well. So let's get into the fun parts. Um, what was the best course you saw in 2020? Oh, that, that's hard to say, but oh come um, on, say it. I saw two openings that, that were really impressive. I, one was the Sheep Ranch at Bandon Dunes. Um, Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw built 18 holes out there just north of uh, Old MacDonald and uh, uh, Pacific Dunes that run all, runs right along through there. And uh, Sheep Ranch is stunning. It's got nine greens on the cliffs. The, the cliffs are 100 feet tall, black rocks falling down into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the wind is insane. Um, the, the course is, is routed to where it's in a very compact piece of land. So, so you see everybody else, you see the whole property from just about anywhere. And it, it's just very cool. It's like some of the old Scottish courses or something to where you can see where you are in relation to everyone else. So it's the opposite of a pine Valley type course where each hole is completely isolated it's stuff, yeah, and framed within its own trees and everything at, at sheep ranch. It's all wide open. It's right in front of you. The wind is howling and it's just a lot of fun. Explain to people who may not sort of know like the backstory and the lore, the sheep ranch is kind of been around if you knew where to ask and who to talk to and got a little bit lucky it's it's been around unofficially for a while right well well tom doak had built 13 greens out there uh previously so it wasn't an 18 hole course and it wasn't operated as part of the resort uh if you knew who to ask and went into town and went to the hardware store and and talked to so-and-so you might get lucky and they would take one or two groups a day and uh, so on a busy day, there's six or eight people out there. And they made up their and, own and he, holes, right? I mean, like it was one of those deals where like you just dropped a ball and let, let's go over to that one. And there you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that had to have been awesome. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I never played it. I went out there and toured it, but I never played the sheep ranch before. Um, it was stunning. The, the property is just ridiculous. It's, it's as good as it gets as far as property. Uh, so about two years ago, they decided to, to turn the, the sheep ranch into a full 18 hole course. And the problem was that the reason Doak had 13 greens out there is because there was really only room for 13 holes. Yeah. Uh, it, it sits on a shelf, and then it goes up into the woods. And they they have zoning allowances for the shelf. Everything was cleared on the shelf. It's a former wind farm. So they, there's nothing out there. There's, there's maybe 20 trees on the entire golf course. And so it, it's this perfect property, but it wasn't really big enough for 18 holes. Mm-hmm. So when they decided to, to build it out, uh, they went to several different designers. And Bill Core is the one who came up with a, a pretty clever routing that allowed them to fit 18 holes into that small piece of land. And so, so there are common teeing areas to where you're teeing off on uh, number two, which is also the tee for number 18, uh, right to the side of it. So there might be another group standing 10 feet away from you teeing off as you're teeing off. So you're going to pass other people. It's very communal. It's got a nice vibe. Uh, it, it, it's just a really fun place. So, so that was one of the top places I've seen. Um, one interesting note that, that everyone asked me about out there is why don't they have bunkers? Um, <laughs> because there's no sand bunkers. Everything is grass bunkers. And it's because this one particular parcel juts out into the ocean more than everything else at Bandon Dunes, which follows a more linear cliff. So the wind comes across this point like you would not believe. It's called yeah. five mile. Uh, when we were out there in March, we, we had probably 50 mile an hour winds for part of our round. Uh, I, I mean, I, I hit a 380 yard drive on one par four. And then turned and went the other way, up 17 into the wind. And I hit a drive that maybe went 140 yards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's just a fun place. It, it's it's really cool. You, you've got to experience it. So if the Sheep Ranch 
Jason, was the one that you led off with right there. What are some of the other courses or any other course that might be in the conversation sort of at that level? Well, the, the ones, the, the other one that opened that, that gets a lot of attention that I played was Payne's Valley at uh, Big Cedar in Missouri. And Big Cedar is a lodge that was founded by Johnny Morris, who's the owner and founder of Bass Pro Shops. And um, he's from the Ozarks, and he's built a facility that you just can't believe out there. It's huge. It, it sits on a gorgeous lake. Uh, they've got, you know, par three courses scattered all around, and they already had two 18-hole courses. So they added a third 18-hole course. And in the two 18-hole courses that existed, there were the top two courses in the state uh, for mm -hmm. public access. So now they put in a third course. It was built by Tiger Woods. Um, it is it, stunning views. You can see 20 miles off across the mountains. Um, it, it, it sits a little lower than Ozarks National, which is the number one course of the facility that, that's just a little higher up on a ridge. But what Tiger did there that's different is he made it so wide. I, I've never seen that wide a golf course all the way across. Uh, mm. the, the fairways are 80 to 100 yards wide in most places. Um, Sweet. And when, when they built it, it, it was funny because uh, they, they did the televised thing on opening day. So Tiger's there. He gives a speech. Jack Nicklaus is sitting there. Uh, Gary Player's there. The other people who were playing in the event were there, uh, of course. But the... Tiger says, we wanted to build a course so wide that kids could play with their grandparents and new people to golf could play and not lose a golf ball and keep playing. So then Tiger awesome. stands up on the first tee and the fairway's 80 yards wide yeah. and he jacked so far left into the scrub that they didn't even look for it. He just kept right on walking. So, uh, so 80 yard wide fairway, but that, that was about three or four days after the U S open. And I, I think the guys were a little tired and it, it got better from there, but Tiger missed the first fairway after saying how wide they were so that you wouldn't lose a golf ball. That's pretty but funny. It, so it, it's creative. The greens are really good. The The greens are fantastic. The The place is a 10 out of 10 as far as conditioning on opening day. So it was just yeah. stunning to play. Um, it. It's, it's very different because it is so wide. Um, yep. You know, one of the fairways there, the people told me one of the fairways there has as much grass as like eight holes on one of the other courses. Wow. Um, because it's a 600-yard par five up a hill that's uh, 100 yards wide. So, so that's a lot of grass out you there. You do the math, and it's it's a lot of square feet, a lot of yards exactly. of, of turf to, to do. But, uh, but it was fun. It's definitely something you would want to see and experience and, and then play the other two courses at Big Cedar, too. So it just really adds to the, the whole facility. It gives them a whole other you know, arrow in the quiver of what they offer. Uh, a little more uh, a little more close to home, I understand that Streamsong made some renovations to the green complexes, did some different things, explained to some people who may not be aware what they're doing down there because that – I still have not been to Streamsong. My mom lives in Bradenton, Florida, which, as I understand it, is probably only an hour, hour and a half. Probably, um, she's, about, 40, probably about 45 minutes for you. Oh, she's been holding on to me. Like, I'm like, oh, let's let's go. Like, oh, it's so far away. It's like the, the clubs, and it's going to be hot. What what have they done out there at Streamsong? Well, well Streamsong sits in the middle of nowhere. It, it's on a former mining site owned by Mosaic Mining. So for 100 years, they've been piling up sand into one place from all their mining operations. And what they ended up with is kind of a lunar scape of sand all over the place, which is a golf course designer's dream. They, they want sand in all these shapes. And uh, so they have three courses down there. The, the original two were the red and the blue. And then they added a black course uh, three years ago, I guess. Gil Hans built the black course. And they are ranked number two, three, and four in the state of Florida for public access courses behind uh, TPC Sawgrass, the stadium course where they play the Players' Championship. Players' Championship, yep. And... Uh, so the, the courses of Streamsong were not old. They're, they're under 10 years old, uh, the original courses. But 
the greens were not in the shape that they want. Um, they, they were probably still among the best greens in the state of Florida. But Rusty mm-hmm. Mercer, who is the superintendent there, said that we are here to be a world-class destination, and our greens were no longer world-class. They, they were mm. best in class in Florida, but they were no longer world-class. So they originally planned on tearing out 18 holes at a time. They were going to do the blue course in 2020 and the red course in 2021 and just put new grass on the greens, a, a new strain called Mach 1, which is a, a very smooth bladed grass. It, it the ball Sounds rolls, cool, too. ball rolls really good on Mach 1. Then when the pandemic hit, they decided, okay, we'll do 36 holes in one time. So they, they stripped all the greens on the first two courses, subbed everything out with the Mach 1 grass. It's the first facility to be open with Mach 1 grass, and it is such a smooth surface. I, I've been down there uh, right before it opened uh, to, to see how the greens played, and I can't remember greens in Florida rolling that smooth. Um, e- even at elite clubs, I don't remember greens that were that smooth and the ball tracking that true. It, it was so smooth that they didn't change any of the slopes. The contours are all the same. And the caddies were having to adjust their reads because they're used to reading grain on Bermuda grass, and there's no grain on Mach one. So, wow. so a putt, nice. so a putt that's down a hill and facing west would break a lot because that's the with the grain and it, it would be shiny running away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. So, so a ball that would have broken six inches might break four inches now just because you're taking the grain out of it. So, it, what would it, Johnny Miller do? He'd have, he'd have nothing to talk about. So. Exactly, <laughs> he'd have to talk about all those putts going in. So. Um, bringing this back to my favorite subject when it comes to this stuff, me and my travel plans, I had originally had in my head, I've got family in the Chicago area. Um, my cousin, Steve and I were, were talking about, um, this fall I turned 50 and I had the idea in my head to head out on a trip that would be a little bit special. And I wanted to go to sand Valley and that to me looked like someplace where I had, I number one, hadn't been a couple of courses, um, that look absolutely just sensational. And to sort of do a sweep north of Chicago, flying into there, hit some of the places in through Wisconsin, and then circle back. For people who may not be aware about what Sand Valley is, um, explain to them sort of what the story is behind that. They've got, as you said, right now on our uh, Top 100 You Can Playlist, number 12, excuse me, number 13 and number 14, back to back with the Mammoth Dunes, Sand Dunes uh Nakusa, wisconsin so not exactly talking about like you know the most visited place in the world but it just looks like it's worth the trip yeah well sand valley uh was developed by the same guy who did bandon dunes which is mike kaiser and uh, mike is looking for sand and that's why sand is prominent in uh in the, in the course because sand is the best surface for building golf courses on so we, we've got some inland courses in the united states now that are built in the last 20 or 30 years on the sand belt that stretches down from Canada. It's left over from glacial times. And mm-hmm. it's this big pocket of sand that runs all the way down into Nebraska. So the, the number one golf course built in the last 60 years in the United States is Sand Hills in Nebraska. Nebraska. On yep. top of the sand. And it's the same thing. When you can find these pockets of sand, you can move it around. You've got dunes. You, it, it's just perfect for golf. Uh, the grass grows better on it. You you get better playing surfaces because the ball rolls and it bounces. So so a lot of these modern courses are all being built in facilities on top of sand. And uh, so that's what you have at Sand Valley. So you've got two courses there, the the eponymous Sand Valley course and then Mammoth Dunes. And it, it's just a chance to, uh, to, to go somewhere and play on sand 
as the game was intended in Scotland. Mm-hmm. See the ball roll. It changes the entire game when the ball rolls. Um, you, you have to think about how tee shots are landing and rolling. Yeah. Think about approach shots into greens. Uh, the, the ball's not going to stop and check on chip shots. You're going to have a lot more uh, thin lies as you're chipping. You might be putting from 30 yards off a green. It's just a different game. And you, you see that at Stream Song uh, that we were just talking about. You see that at Bandon Dunes. You see it at Sand Valley. Um, all the way up into places like Cabot Links and stuff like that. It, it's all the search for sand. And Mike Kaiser said what, before he built Bandon Dunes, he what he wanted to do was build a new Dornick. Uh, Dornick is one of the old courses in Scotland. Yeah. It's a, a beautiful site. It's built on sand. Uh, it, it's one of the must-play international courses. So Mike wanted his own U.S. side Dornick, basically. He, he knew the model was sand. So he looked all around the United States. He looked in Florida. He looked up the East Coast. Um, before they built Bandon Dunes, um, you know, he had never thought about Oregon on Western Oregon as being a sand belt. And he got a call from somebody who said, I have all these, this acreage for sale. Um, that's on sand on top of cliffs. Would you be interested in this? So he went out there. <laughs> he said he was surprised by how the sand is. And he'll tell you now that Bandon Dunes, which has five of the top courses in the country, is not actually the best land along the Oregon coast. There, there's better land. What he had was the best land that was available. So available. He took it, and he built the, the five of the greatest golf courses uh, in, in the country. And it's all based on having that sand access. So. So if you go to Sand Valley, you know, you might practice your uh, 30-yard putts from off the greens because you don't want to be fabulous. a 60-degree wedge underneath some of that stuff. I have a hard enough time with my 6-foot putt. Forget my 60-foot putts from off the green. When yeah. should people start planning out trips? Because as you and I were sort of discussing, it's I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand. People like me who wanted to do something this last summer, fall, we didn't have an opportunity to do that. We, we needed to be safe, and we're coming out of that hopefully this spring and this coming summer. Is is the is there a lot? Do you anticipate or do resorts anticipate a lot of pent up demand? More people coming to the game, people maybe taking golf trips that have been postponed. How far in advance should I anticipate needing to to set things up this year, or is it going to probably be that the most popular places are always in demand, and this year is going to be pretty much like every other year we've seen before? Uh, it, it's it's a combination of those two. The the most popular places are going to be in demand, uh, in in especially if they're anywhere near a big city. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can drive to it, it's going to be full. Um, you know, somewhere like Kiowa, which is hosting the PGA Championship this year. Uh, Kiowa is always going to have a lot of rounds played. They did even you know after they reopened after the pandemic. It's not like Kiowa was barren. So those places are going to be full. So I I would suggest you know booking at least six months out. Um, I I think. You know, I'm not a disease expert, of course. I'm a golf course writer. But I, I think things are going to start getting back to normal towards the middle of the summer. More people are going to be vaccinated. More yep. people are going to feel safe getting on an airplane. And there is a ton of pent-up demand. People who didn't spend those dollars last year, uh, who were fortunate enough to, to come through the pandemic economically sound, uh, are going to want to travel. They're going to want to spend. And, um, you know, after a year of sitting at home, everybody is ready to get out on the road right now. So they... Yep. Places are going to be packed. Uh, these are probably going to be at, at peak levels. Uh, it's going to be hard to find deals. So by the time we get into hopefully June, July, August, and, and things are really humming again uh, with kids out of school and, and people doing traditional vacations, uh, things are going to be pretty busy. So I, I would recommend booking now at least six months out. With that in mind, I need to get off the podcast with you and uh, and start doing some research. I'm psyched. I can't wait to travel. Um, it's been great to be home. It's been great to play more golf. It's been great to get my kids into the game this summer. 
um, in the fall, but it's cold up here now, you know, and I know that you folks in Florida got a little cold spell. We lost all of our snow up here in New England. We had about three inches of rain and 60 degrees on Christmas day. Um, so basically my yard is now a marsh, which is not good for even hitting balls or doing anything in there. Um, it's time where I basically now go indoors, unfortunately. Um, but that's fine. I'm still making swings, enjoying it, but I cannot wait to uh, safely get on an airplane, go to some of the places we've been talking about. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go to golfweek.com. Check out Golf Week's Best 2020, the top 100 courses you can playlist. Jason worked a lot on putting this thing together. It's a great resource. There's tons of different lists, all different kinds of things, modern, classics, um, top 100 that you can play. Like I said, we break them down by state. It's a great resource to try and plan around some trips. Jason, thank you very, very much for coming on the Ford Press. Have a happy and safe new year, and I'll talk to you soon. You too, David. Thank you, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.